Welcome to this sermon podcast from Myo Baptist Church, and thank you for listening to today's message. We pray that God's Word will be an encouragement to you and a reminder that the Bible has all the answers to living a successful and fulfilled life. Again, thanks for listening. We now join the service in progress. filling in uh, short notice this morning. Amber, who would normally be at the piano on Sunday mornings, has a sick child at home. It requires her to be at home, so I appreciate these ladies uh, filling in. Uh, Let me begin this morning with a, a public service announcement, okay? This is a public service announcement. If Wayne Durfee ever offers you hot beef jerky... He ain't kidding. I have received from him for the past several years at Christmas, uh, not beef jerky, it's venison, right? Venison jerky. And he makes the best venison jerky. But about a week ago, he gives me another package. He says, this is hot. Now, I'm being smug, being from Louisiana, Cajun country. I'm thinking, yeah, that's Yankee hot, which we would label down there as mild, okay? I, th- I just knew that, yeah, yeah, okay, sure, Wayne. So I'm at the office. I brought some into the office. I'm working, and I said, oh, yeah, I got beef jerky. And so I pull it out. I eat it. I said, oh, that's, that's, that's hot. That's hot. And I ate a little more. That's, 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 that's really hot. <laughs> I ate a little more. took three glasses of iced tea to recover from that. So if, if he offers you hot venison jerky, he ain't lying. No. He is telling you the truth. Beware. I, I gave it to Travis. Did you try it? You, and? It was hot. Uh-huh. <laughs> like really hot? Not that hot. No, it was really hot. That was, that was, oh man. I thought I could handle hot. Maybe I've just become a wimp. I, I guess I've become a wimp. Well, anyway, a very important topic this morning, which I am going to give you, first of all, a very important and exciting announcement. I'm beginning the series this morning on financial peace, okay? Very important to all of us. Who doesn't want financial peace? And yet a lot of people... This is an area of struggle. So in order to help you, we are going to offer probably something that some of you have taken part in or maybe some of you have heard about, but we are going to offer it to you beginning in February on Thursday night, Dave Ramsey's Financial Peace University. And look, I haven't gone through the course. It's a nine-week video course, okay? The cost is $109, okay? Now, if you don't have that, you say, well, Pastor, I need the course, and the reason I need the course, I can't afford, you know, that. Well, you sign, there's a sign-up sheet out there. But you've got to commit yourself to nine weeks, Thursday nights, uh, I think it's 6.30 to, to 8 o'clock at night. Sharon and I, we're going to sign up for it. I've read the book. It, it, is, it is not rocket science. It is just basic stuff. But Dave Ramsey, and I'm not 100% with him on every aspect of everything he teaches. But as far as basic 
principles and biblical principles of, of handling your money. I don't know of anybody any better. We read his book. We started applying the principles not too terribly long ago, and it, it worked wonders for Sharon and I. So again, it, and this is for anybody in any age bracket, if you're a single person, if you're a married couple, if you're young, if you're middle-aged or older, I think it can benefit Everybody. So it's going to start in February. It's going to require a nine-week commitment. It's a video series. We meet together. Brother Casey Pullum came to me. It was his idea. I think it's a great idea. He's going to he's going to monitor. He's going to be he's going to be the facilitator. I'm just going to be a student. He's going to run it, and I'm going to show up, and we're going to let him run it. And I would highly encourage, you know, whatever age bracket you're in or whatever. To sign up for this. And again, the cost is $109. If for some reason you can't come up with it or come up with all of it, you, you sign up and, and, and let me know, okay? But I, I think it would be very, very worthwhile. So I'm excited to announce that tonight. Sharon, I think the sign-up sheet is already out there in the foyer. And again, I think this can help anybody. Like I say, if you're a single adult, you know, widowed, widower, whatever, doesn't matter, married couple, young, old, uh, you know, or a young person not yet married, but you're a young adult, uh, boy, it would be good to learn these principles. It will help you. And, and let, me, let me say this. If you want a personal testimony of how good it works, and I asked him if I could say this, talk to Scott Witt, okay? Uh, Scott came to me a couple years ago and told me about what it had done for him. And I asked him this morning, I said, Scott, can I give your name out if people want a, a personal testimony of, of whether this works or not? He says, by all means. In fact, we had our deacons and trustees meeting yesterday, and he gave a testimony there of how the Lord is blessing, and it's based on following principles. And so if you, you have any questions about it, you can see Casey, but if you need a personal testimony, you can see uh, Scott Witt about that. This morning... We start our series, Financial Peace. And financial peace starts with a proper philosophy of money. If you don't have the proper philosophy of money, which would be a biblical philosophy of money, well, it doesn't matter what you think. It doesn't matter what I think about money. We can all have our ideas, our plans, our, you know, people have their schemes and whatever, and this is how you do it, and this is how you get rich quick and all that kind of stuff. Folks, that's only going to get you in trouble. If you want to have financial peace, it starts with a proper philosophy of money, which would be a proper biblical philosophy of money. And in this series, we're going to focus primarily on the book of Proverbs. The whole Bible has a lot of good things to say about money, including the book of Proverbs. And this morning, I want us to look at a a passage that I really believe lays a foundation as to how you and I ought to think of money. Okay? And when you understand this, and when you begin to apply it, you can have peace. Rather than wondering, you know, how did we get here? How are we over our head in debt? How come we have so much credit card debt? We're never going to get out from under this, which which is a lie. And that's one of the reasons I want you to take this this course, because one of the things that, that Ramsey does well is takes people that are in debt and gives them a plan and a way out. And it usually goes much quicker than what you think. But people get in trouble because they've done it their way. And they don't know Bible principles. They've never studied them. Or if they've heard them, they thought, well, that's just some charlatan preacher up there, you know, trying to get money from people and what have you. No, I'm just going to preach you the Word of God. 
And I'm going to trust that the Word of God will have its effect on your heart and change you and bring you in the area of finances into compliance with His Word and His will. The basic philosophy can be found in Proverbs chapter 30, verses 7, 8, and 9. Listen to this. Two things. This is a man named Agur writing. If you go back to the beginning of the chapter, his name is mentioned there. Agur says this. It's really a prayer. Two things have I required of thee. Deny me them not before I die. What are those two things he's asking God for? Number one, remove far from me vanity and lies. And number two, and this is what we're going to focus on. Listen to this prayer. Give me neither poverty nor riches. That's profound, folks. Most folks, maybe even in this room, don't understand that. His prayer was not give me riches. His prayer was give me neither poverty nor riches. And then he says this, and this is the most profound part of what you're going to hear today. Feed me with food convenient for me. Feed me with food convenient for me. When you wrap your mind around that thought, it can change your life and change your life for the better. And then he explains why he wants to not be controlled by poverty or wealth. He says, he explains in verse 9, Lest I be full and deny thee and say, Who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and steal and take the name of my God in vain. He's talking about two extremes here. Riches and poverty. And the dangers associated with both. This is a prayer, again, of a man named Agur. Agur is praying that he would not be a victim of riches or poverty. Agur prays that he would have, get this, just what God wants him to have. Agur realizes that neither riches nor poverty are going to give you peace. Agur realizes here that peace is found somewhere in between. It's found in following Bible principles about money and trusting God with the outcome. That's in the Old Testament. That's way back in Proverbs that this man prays that very wise and discerning prayer. But that basic thought is repeated in the New Testament at least on two occasions. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse number 8, it says, Having food and raiment, let us be therewith content. And in Hebrews 13, 5, Let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as ye have. This prayer of this man teaches us a foundational principle about having what i got to believe every one of us in this room desires. And that is when it comes to our finances each week, each month, each year, when it comes to our finances, we're not stressed. We have 
financial peace. And this passage teaches us that it starts with a proper understanding of finances, a proper philosophy of finances. Where you start with these three verses is going to really determine where you're going to end. Listen to this. To have financial peace, you must avoid the pursuit of riches and avoid the difficulties associated with poverty by following biblical principles of money and trusting God with what you need. Let me read that again. To have financial peace, you want it? Here it is. You have to avoid the pursuit of riches and at the same time avoid the difficulties associated with poverty. How? By following biblical principles of money and trusting God with what you need. Folks, wanting financial peace is a good thing. And I believe that's exactly what God wants you to have. And, and he's laid out the principles. And if you don't have it, don't get upset with him. I mean, this is his book. The verses we just read have to do with finances and money. He's teaching us. He's showing us. The Lord wants us to have financial peace, and he shows us how. Not just in this passage, but in so many, many more. There's so many blessings associated with financial peace. I did go to Dave Ramsey's website, and I did find this, and I thought it was interesting. I'll just share it with you. He shares on his website the blessings of financial peace. This isn't biblical, what I'm, these four points. I mean, they could be biblical, but they're from his website. He mentions four things. And this is why you need to be here to hear what we're going to be teaching. And if necessary, you need to be here for this nine-week course that's going to be starting in February. Number one, financial peace strengthens relationships. If you think about it, well, that's a no-brainer. Because financial havoc, financial turmoil can destroy relationships. He says, and I quote, marriage can be hard enough, so getting rid of one source of conflict altogether is life-changing. So there's reasons you should pursue financial peace. And let me say, not only pursue it, but achieve it. I'm telling you, there are people in this room who can testify that their life changed when they learned biblical principles, got a proper perspective, and... In that happening, in financial peace coming, it brings people together. It strengthens relationships. Because sometimes in families you'll have kids borrowing from their parents, and you know, you know, and it just it's a mess. And they don't pay it back. So you know, financial peace in the lives of family members will strengthen those relationships. Number two, he mentioned financial peace brings a sense of hope and freedom. Oh boy, does it. When you find out where your money is going instead of wandering, I'm quoting him, wondering where it went, it's amazing how much less stress you experience in life. Not only are you not worrying about bills, but you have a plan for the future. Number three, he says financial peace changes your family tree. How would it feel to know that instead of leaving behind debt and unpaid bills, you knew your family would be taken care of? And then number four, another blessing, financial peace allows you the freedom to give generously. There's great joy in giving your tithes and offerings, especially when you understand the great good that is done with them.
Financial peace. Not only should you desire it, but the good news is this morning, you can achieve it. How do we define financial peace? Financial peace, what we're talking about in this series, is a state of financial contentment attained by faithfully applying financial biblical principles to your finances and being content with what God supplies. Read it again. A state of financial contentment attained by faithfully applying financial biblical principles to your finances and being content with what God supplies. And today we're laying down that foundational truth in this passage. And and that foundational truth really says, have a realistic and mature view of money, seek not riches, and avoid poverty, follow Bible principles, and be content in having your basic needs met. We get all of that from this prayer that God had recorded and preserved for thousands of years. Let's look at that prayer again. Agur says, two things have I required of thee. Number one, deny me them, or excuse me, deny me them not before I die. Number one, remove far from me vanity and lies. That's number one. Give me neither poverty nor riches. That's number two. And then he says, feed me with food convenient for me. He's asking for two things. Number one, remove far from me vanity and lies. Now, I think that is related to poverty and riches, but I'm not going to tie them in this morning. We're going to save that for another day. What we're going to focus on this morning is that statement where he prays and says, give me neither poverty nor riches. For him to pray that, he knows something. The average person might not pray that. In fact, the average person might say, you know, I'd be better off if I just took a vow of poverty, you know, and just being poor and being, being done with it. And then, then other people might say, no, and, probably, and more likely people would say, I, 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 I want to be rich. You know, I want to live in the biggest and drive the fastest and wear the costliest. A lot of people are like that. This man understands something here. There's a perspective here when you first read it, you think, well, I've never heard anybody pray that, and I've never prayed that myself. And then you start thinking about it, and you say, why is he praying that? What is he up to? To have financial peace, you have to understand this prayer, and it needs to be my prayer and your prayer as well. Because when you get it, to a degree, the weight of the world is going to be off your shoulders. Here's what we learned from about financial peace from Iger's prayer. Number one, to have financial peace, you must seek to avoid poverty. Why, why would he pray, neither give me poverty? Well, I, th- I think some people that would be obvious, but, but, but he prayed it. But the neat thing about it is he answered in the next verse why poverty is a problem. You see verse number nine, he explains Why? I don't want to have poverty because lest I be poor and steal and take the name of God in vain. Folks, we here, we don't believe in preaching the prosperity gospel, but neither do we uh, believe that people ought to take a vow of poverty. 
There is, a, there is a balance in God's word that you always strive for, this balance. And especially here, this, this middle ground, because you could be tempted to go either route. Well, I'm, I'm, just, I'm destined to be poor, and I'm going to live off the government. I'm going to get my welfare, my food stamps, and, and you know, I'm just going to live. live. And for some people, they have no desires beyond that. They are quite content with that. And, and that puts them at a poverty level. And the Bible says, no, he's praying, I don't want to be poor. But neither do I want to be rich. And when it comes to poverty, he gives again the three reasons why you should avoid poverty. Number one, he says this, and this is, you know, kind of obvious. He says, you're going to be poor. He says, lest I be poor. Well, when you're poor, people are often hungry and cold. Just to simplify the situation, I know it's more complex than that. Nobody in their right mind would ever want to be hungry and cold. It's sad that I hear so many accounts up here in northern Michigan of people who need help because they're poor and they can't afford electricity, they can't afford propane, they can't afford wood, they can't afford anything. So that's one of the reasons you, you do not want to be poor because, you know, you're hungry and cold. And, it, and there's, there, there's suffering that can come with that. But the second thing he says is, you can be tempted to steal. He says that, lest I be poor. And then secondly, he says, and steal. Lack of necessities prompts the temptation to remedy your situation, oftentimes through illegal means. When we lack necessities, a good man can be tempted to do something wrong. Now here, you might not go break into your neighbor's house and steal from him or from her. But people sure do steal from the government. Look for ways to wiggle their way out of taxes that are actually illegal. Or to make a gain on a sale and gain more money on a sale and lie about the car when you know what's wrong with it. There does come that temptation when a person is experiencing poverty. And then number three in that verse, he says, and take the name of God in vain. Our, our poverty can, can cause others to look at God's name with, with a big question mark. You're a Christian and you can't pay your bills? You're a Christian? And, you know, now, don't get me wrong, and I need to put this out there. And, and we'll say more about this at the end. There are some people that find themselves in, in very poor conditions some, through, through no fault of their own, okay? You, you get laid off. The economy goes sour. And, and again, we're, we're not saying it is a sin to be poor, okay? But it is a sin to be content to be poor, to, to be content to live off of others. There may come a time in your life, and it has probably happened, I would dare say, to m- maybe most people in this room, that you have found yourself through no fault of your own, in a difficult situation, and you needed the, we'll just use the general term, welfare. I don't have a problem with that. If if there's a man that's hardworking, a woman that's hardworking, through no fault of their own, the economy goes sour, they lose their job, and they they, they need some help, people pay into that, it's legal, it's honest, and you take advantage of it, there's nothing to be embarrassed about. But the embarrassing part is people who are content to be there who are happy to live off of other people, who make excuses for that. We're not talking about the good, hard-working family that finds himself through a, a temporary setback and, you know, they, they need to take advantage of whatever help is out there. That's what it's there for. 
But, but un- understand this. We should do all that we can to avoid poverty. And I like this quote. The lie of poverty is that you no longer need to fear, reverence, and obey God. You stop trusting God. And in this case, as cited in the scripture, there's the temptation to resort to harming others. Taking from others. Depending on others. And that simply, you'll have to agree with me on that, is not the Bible way. Now again, if you find yourself in a temporary setback because you got hurt, you got injured, you got laid off, no, we're, don't, don't go out here thinking that I'm throwing you under the bus. I am not. But if you're here and you're lazy, the bus needs to roll over you, then back up over you, then go back over you again, then come back. <laughs> if you're lazy... Bible has nothing good to say about people that are lazy. Am I right? If somebody calls you a sluggard, trust me, it is not a compliment. Yeah, it is not a compliment. But there's this other issue. To have financial peace, number two, you must not pursue riches. Now, why would he pray that? Isn't it a good thing to want to be rich? Again, some of this is nuanced, so, so stick with me and don't, don't hear me wrong, Okay. And if you go out of here this morning thinking you heard me wrong, then you come talk to me and I'll make sure that you hear, hear me right. Why would he pray nor riches? He answers that in verse number 9 also. Lest I be full and deny thee and say, who is the Lord? Again, he gives three reasons why you should not be pursuing riches. He says, number one, you'll be full. I mean, wealth can give an individual a false sense of security. That you are full and you're in need of nothing. You're not even in need of God. Another problem with riches, according to that verse, is you will deny him. This means that you're relying on your wealth. You're no longer relying on God. You're not uh, depending on God. The, your bank account is full. you got money rolling or, or you know. All over the place, you're wearing the Rolex and all that kind of stuff. And so you, you deny him. You, you don't go to church. You don't need church. You, you know, you, you just, it's a bad thing. And then he says, you will say, who is the Lord? This means that based on your wealth, you have forgotten the Lord. So the emphasis here is do not make the pursuit of riches your primary goal in life. I like this quote, and I think this quote is so true. Prospering in the flesh, men are often impoverished in the spirit. For you soul winners in here, you know this. The most difficult places to reach people with the gospel is the wealthy neighborhoods. They're the ones most likely to not give you the time of day. They have grown independent of God. Now again, some of this is nuance. You've you got to listen carefully this morning. He, we're talking about the pursuit of riches. The idea that I want to be rich. Now, that is the problem here. You know, I heard this about, and I, I haven't forgotten, and I'll share it with you. I've read uh, some biographies on Walt Disney, and I've watched several documentaries on, on Walt Disney. And I, I read that in one of the documentaries, they flat out said, that his goal was never to be rich. His ideas about Disneyland and then later Disney World, they said the man could care less about 
being rich. He was driven by the fact that back in that day and age, um, theme parks and whatever were seedy places. You know, the fat bearded lady, you know, the two-headed man. And they were just unseemly places that you didn't want to take your family. He was driven by the fact, and you watch the document, they'll say it. He, he was driven by the fact that he wanted to create a place that was wholesome. He wanted to create a place that was clean and bright and, and a happy place. Now, in the end, he got rich. But that wasn't what drove him. And that's, you're, you're going to hear more of this in just a second, too. If you work hard and, and God allows you to be rich, well, that's one thing. But the idea just to be rich, to be rich, to, to flaunt it, to show it, to have bigger and better and whatever, there's a problem there. So again, we're not throwing poor people under the bus. We're not throwing rich people under the bus. Because they're, they're, you know, Solomon was, the, they say, the wealthiest man that, that ever lived. But it's those people who their whole life is driven by being rich. They can be some of the most miserable Difficult people in the world to ever deal with. So neither riches or poverty should be your financial goal or a pursuit of life. If God gives you riches, fantastic. But that should not be what your life is all about. If God allows you to go through poverty, that's okay. That, that doesn't mean that you're a bad person. That doesn't mean that you're there because of sin. But what this passage is teaching us is be aware and understand the dangers with both. When you find yourself in poverty, beware. There's a, there, there's a possible danger when you're there. And should the Lord bless your efforts, you work hard, and he gives you above and beyond your necessities of life, you got money in the bank, this passage is teaching us there as well. Beware. There are dangers there. I like this quote. Just as there are terrible dangers from extreme cold or extreme heat, there is also great danger in the extremes of materialism. Having too little is as dangerous as having too much. So, again, you may be poor. You may be poor today through no fault of your own. Nobody's throwing you under the bus. You still need to understand God's principles. You still need to have a good work ethic and be honestly, be honest. But beware when you are in that condition. If the Lord allows it for a short time, hopefully a short time, just be aware of the dangers there. And if you have worked hard and the Lord has blessed you abundantly, no, nobody's condemning anybody for, for being blessed abundantly. Simply be aware that there are dangers there. You know, God has entrusted you with riches. That's fine. That's great. Make sure you're using them properly. So what is the key? Let's finish this up. What is the key to financial peace? The key to financial peace, follow Bible principles of finances and trust God to give you what you need. Here's here's his prayer. Feed me with food convenient for me. This means literally, Lord, give me what I need. Give me what I need. That's our prayer. Now, Lord, 
if for some reason circumstances happen in my life beyond my control and I find myself in poverty, thanks for the warning. I need to be careful not to be honest or take shortcuts or steal from anybody or steal from the government. Or if, on the other hand, you bless me, and, Lord, I've just been so abundantly blessed with riches. Lord, let me not forget you. Let me not grow independent of you. He prays, Lord, give me what I need. Listen to this quote. These verses do not provide an excuse for us to judge either the rich or the poor around us. Okay? I want to make sure you understand that this morning. Because I know how Satan likes to make you think that maybe I said something that I didn't say and certainly didn't mean. This says it well. These verses do not provide an excuse for us to judge either the rich or the poor around us. They do not assert that poverty and wealth uh, force people to sin. They should remind us all of the temptation we face to forget that it is God who provides for us. He supplies our daily bread. He meets our needs. Everybody got that? That says it well. Says it so well, I'll read the last statement again. They should remind us all of the temptation we face to forget that it is God who provides us. He supplies us our daily bread. He meets our needs. Every Christian, I've said it several times here, should follow Bible principles of finances. And then it's God's will as to how he chooses to bless you. Or perhaps for some reason, he finds it necessary to withdraw blessings from you and to allow you to experience a time of of not doing so well. What we need to understand and what our prayer needs to be every day is, Lord, you take care of me. You know, Matthew 6.11 says, give us this day our daily bread. It's not, it's being aware of the dangers of poverty. It's being aware of the danger of riches. And it is understanding, Lord, give me this day my daily bread. Lord, give me food that is convenient for me. And you can have peace. I'm not stressed out about the poverty that the Lord's allowing me to go through now. And I'm not going to be tempted by riches if he should so, showed, so desire to give that to me. Listen to these three final quotes. Again, these verses don't imply that Christians should be neither rich nor poor. Okay? These verses, and I agree, that's why I'm sharing this quote with you. These verses don't imply that Christians should be neither rich nor poor. Clearly, people from all income brackets have faithfully walked with God. The point in this passage is about what we desire. Do we desire the desperation that accompany poverty? The answer, of course not. He goes on to say, but neither should we desire the self-congratulations that come with wealth. Both of these provide temptations to sin that lead us away from a close relationship with God. And when you get away from that, you're not going to have peace. You, You and I as Christians are designed for a close relationship with God. We are designed for fellowship with God that gives us our peace. We are not designed to be taken away from that fellowship because of poverty or riches. And he says we should desire the kind of relationship with God that acknowledges his provisions for us us each and every day. Our daily bread should draw us closer to him in reverence and thankfulness. So again, financial peace. 
which I, as your pastor, want for me, of course, and for you as well, is based on the fact that you understand Bible principles about working hard. You understand from the Bible the dangers of, of being surety for a friend. You understand all of that. And because you've practiced those biblical principles, you have peace. You've got a roof over your head. You've got a car that cranks up. You've got food in the fridge. You know, thank you, Lord. You gave me today my daily bread. You have given me you know, food that is convenient for me. Now, in following those principles, if the Lord should bless you with riches, you go into those riches with an understanding that there's dangers there, just as there are dangers with poverty. And you see, this morning, us emphasizing that, and you learning this and applying it, you're going to be less stressed out. You're going to, you're going to worry. Now, there's a whole lot more to this, more practical things that we're going to teach over the next several weeks. But being content. Folks, how many rich people in Hollywood are miserable today? You know, I, I have driven through, uh, not Hollywood, uh, Beverly Hills. And I've driven through uh, Bel Air. Probably two richest zip codes in America are close to it. And we know from what we see and hear in the news that those beautiful homes, those beautiful mansions are filled with miserable people. I tell you who is more happy. The guy at home got a roof over his head, got food in his refrigerator. He goes home tonight on a Sunday night, modest home, modest car. He goes home, and for supper he fixes himself what? A fried bologna sandwich. He is 10,000 times happier than many of those people that live in those mansions. Now, am I telling the truth or not? Don't feel sorry for yourself. If you're going home to a fried bologna sandwich, you are more likely, if you have a proper understanding that God's in control, He's given, you work hard, you, 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 you save, you're thrifty, you budget, and if, if, if it's the fried bologna sandwich, you can, you can enjoy that 10,000 times more than the guy in the mansion that doesn't know God and is choking on his caviar. So again, what we're teaching this morning is beware of the dangers of the extremes. Okay, God may allow you to go through a time of poverty. That's okay. Nobody is saying you're there because of sin. Nobody is saying that that is God's judgment. We, we don't know. I mean, I've been there. Sharon and I have been there where, you know, don't have two, what do they say, two pennies to rub together? I mean, but we just trust God. But we, we, we need to be aware of the dangers. And the same if God should bless you with wealth and riches. That's not a sign that you're a sinner or bad. No, just, just be aware. Again, and we're done. To have financial peace, you must avoid the pursuit of riches. Okay, where that's what your life is all about. Now, that's clear here. I mean, God may make you rich, but that's not your goal in life. Your goal in life is to do good work, work hard, you know, use the gifts that God has given you. If he chooses to bless you, bless your business, amen, praise the Lord, enjoy it. The Bible says enjoy the fruit of your labor. But we must avoid the pursuit of riches 
and avoid the difficulties associated with poverty by following biblical principles of money and trusting God with what you need. There are too many Christians that just, they have their needs met. They've got a house to go to, have a car, have food in the fridge, their bills are paid. Maybe not much in the bank, but you got a little something for a rainy day and you feel bad or you feel sorry for yourself, don't. If you, if you are following God's principles and you're trying to live it according to God's word, you're giving your tithes, your offerings, and what have you, be content. Be content. And you'll be living a lifestyle that some of those people in Bel Air and um, Beverly Hills could only dream about. Could only dream about. Thank God for your blessings. Having, having food and raiment therewith be what? Content. That's peace. Thank you for listening to today's message. We hope that the service was a blessing to you and that you were encouraged by God's Word. If you have any questions about Mile Baptist Church, please contact us anytime. You can find contact information on our website at myobaptistchurch.com. Thanks for listening.